Welcome to episode 297 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. There are over 20 settings in the Zoom website portal. Do you know which ones you should have on and which ones you definitely need to have off? Back in the spring of 2020, when we were all thrust into the world where Zoom meetings went from occasional to everyday, simply remembering to put yourself on mute or having breakout rooms enabled, if you even knew what a breakout room was, could go a long way. But that's basic, less than basic, honestly, now. We're deep into 2022, and anything other than mastery of these commonplace elements makes you look like a rookie and could make your participants feel like they wasted their time. Never fear, however. I have just the thing to help. I've created a Zoom settings checklist. This is a PDF and video that will walk you through which settings to have on, which to turn off, and which ones to pay close attention to. You'll get this resource and 33 of my most requested Zoom tutorial videos at robbysamuels.com forward slash videos. And stay tuned over the next few weeks. I won't just stop at basic settings. I've got just what you need to master pre-event setup, managing slides, online facilitation, and designing breakout rooms that are intentionally engaging. If you need more than just a checklist and video, I can help. I'm an event design consultant and executive Zoom producer recognized as an industry expert in the field of digital event design. Organizations like Feeding America and the California WIC Association trust me to run their online events, and I'd love to help you. Just hit reply and we'll schedule a chat. I'm excited to help you level up your Zoom game. Now, onto this week's interview. Today's guest understands the struggles of leveling up a business while simultaneously keeping lots of other plates spinning. She's a CEO, podcast host of Green Room Central, and founder of Live Event Academy, a learning experience for starting or scaling events. She spent the last two decades helping business owners to leverage virtual, hybrid, and in-person events to reach more dream clients, build customer and employee loyalty, and make sales. Please join me in welcoming Sarah Pfeiffer. Hello, hello. So glad to be here, Robbie. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Sarah, thanks for joining us from your place in Portland, Oregon. It's thrilling to get to know you better. As you know, the context of the show is about leadership and networking. So tell me, how do you define leadership? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Yes. Yeah, so leadership for me started in kind of an interesting way. My first, uh, well, the first, <laughs> the first job that I really loved doing was events. And I ended up leading these efforts to put on events and without expecting it or asking for it, I ended up leading sometimes hundreds of people in a season where we were getting ready for an event uh, that didn't report to me. And so it, I didn't ever think that it was leadership uh initially but looking back and actually somebody once mentioned to me you know i think you have 
a knack for leadership. Like, look at how many people that you were able to influence to kind of like keep the ship moving in the direction we needed it to move in order for this event to happen on time, on budget, like on spec, whatever. Um, and you were able to do that and none of them reported to you. Like you have, <laughs> you have a gift. And it wasn't, I think, until that person said that and then more reflection on my part years later that I realized oh, leadership does come naturally to me. And I did not, and my, I was put into leadership roles in a time when I didn't expect or even think that I was like worth being a leader. So really? it was just, it was interesting. And I think, I think there's a couple different types of leadership, you know, one where you are the CEO and they do directly report to you. But then I think there is something really elegant about being able to lead people who do not report to you. <laughs> they don't have to do what you say, right? Um, and being able to, and like you said, how do you define leadership? I do think it it falls into that space of influence. If you're able to influence somebody, you're a leader. And um, so I think... Now, this might sound random, but I think people, there's a lot more leaders in the world than people who think they're leaders or people. And like I mentioned that word before worth people who think they're worth uh, the title of leader. And I think if more people stepped into that power that they have, whether it's within their home or their community or their, their business, uh, we'd be able to bring about a whole lot more change in the world. Wouldn't you agree, Ravi? I would agree. Wow. Very powerful. And I love this, this idea of influence being the focus, the particularly seeing evidence of that when you're not, um, when you don't know the title, when you don't know the title and yet you're still able to influence people towards a, a common purpose, a common outcome and, you know, inspire them, encourage them, cajole mm -hmm. them <laughs> for mm -hmm. it's all happen. Uh, mm -hmm. And that a lot of people don't recognize that necessarily as leadership. And what if they did? But I'm imagining that for you to have even accepted that role, um, to have taken on that responsibility, I want to wind the clock back a little bit, Sarah. Because um, I'm what, like, what, is that in your 20s? Like, when when were you doing this massive mm. uh, managing of hundreds of people to run events? I'd probably say late late 20s, early 30s. So you're yeah. kind of, you know, you've, you're an adult, you, you've, you're, you know, leaning into being a professional, not even young professional. And so who were you before all that when we want to clock back to, you know, I don't know, the, the playground, Sarah, um, Sarah in <laughs> high school, like, did you run for office? Did you coordinate kids to do activities? Did you, you know, start a recycling program? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like, who were you in those early days? Yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you what I was not was I was not an entrepreneurial entrepreneur, nor did I have any sort of vision or thought that that would ever be me. Uh, I was not the popular kid, uh, I, but I did do things uh, like, you know, I did manage the I couldn't make it onto the basketball team in high school, so I did manage the team just because I'd love to be around that energy and I wanted to help in some way. And so that's, that's the role I got. Uh, I didn't, uh, yeah, 
I don't think I ran for any sort of school office or in grade school or high school or didn't organize any sort of like big sales. But uh, I think in college probably is where it started because I really, really wanted to be an RA, a resident advisor, you know, like the person on the floor who's like helping everybody. Helping is my love language, by the way. And I, I didn't get the job, but um, my two best friends did. And so I ran for like a hall council instead, and I got that that role. And so I started organizing things like brother sister weekend and um, stuff like that. And and then there happened to be a a vacancy mid year where an RA had to step down, and so I was put just put into the role. And because I think the visibility of me being on how called council was like, oh, <laughs> she might be a good fit for this. And uh, ended up staying as an RA for that, that half a year, I think. And then I became, um, there was another role that kind of managed all the RAs in the building. And that was the um, operations manager. And so then I had to hire a team to kind of run night access and staff the desk. And uh, anyways, in all those roles, and I did that until I left college. So I always lived in the dorms. And being the person who got to organize activities for the people who are living there and being the person who got to hire team and just like, encourage and cheer them on so that they loved their jobs, even though, you know, it was not the most glamorous or fun or cool thing you could do. Uh, I found that fun. And, um, and I, I think I just got a rush from it because everyone, I don't, I still don't know why everyone always loved like working with me. And uh, so I think that might've been the start of, that, that was probably the official start of leadership right there it was in college where I was kind of, you know, not living at home anymore and kind of got to spread my wings just a bit more and just found a space that felt like, right. I was never, I never, ever felt at home or I would say even happy in high school. It just, it was not a good fit for me. I didn't like have my like people you could say, but as soon as I went to college, and and someone mentioned this would happen. It's okay, Sarah, that you're not finding your people in high school. <laughs> it, it will happen someday. And uh, it was like the first taste of it in college where I was like, oh, yeah. I, like, I finally found something that I feel like I'm like, put on this earth to do and that I enjoy doing. And, and then entrepreneurship has been that times like a million. <laughs> yeah. You know, my, my wife and I met when she was a director of Residence Life. And... I, I lived on campus for six and a half years because of her. I commuted when I was actually an undergrad, so I never actually lived on, but I was there all the time because I like I love the energy of being on campus. So I stay late, get there early, and uh, but I but I really through her eyes saw that, and I really interviewed her for this show, and she also didn't get picked for the RA role, <laughs> and then got a summer RA role, and then someone dropped out of the fall RA selection, and she was slotted in. And then, of course, created a cult career out of that <laughs> yeah. until recently. Um, but like finding your place, like and 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 like making yourself visible enough on the hall council for people to see in you, like what you were starting to see in you. Mm, like mm-hmm. maybe when you first came into the college experience, you were not, you know, putting that energy out 
of confidence. And then as you took on roles around Hell Council, people were like, oh, Sarah, you know, give something to Sarah. She's going to get it done. Oh, wait a second. Let's tap her for other things then. Um, but you didn't have that maybe experience in high school. So it was hard to come into this environment with that like ready-made. You had to find it within yourself and from those around you giving you opportunities. So what a great opportunity to, to do that on a college campus. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you that I did not exude confidence coming into college. I definitely didn't didn't in high school, uh, nor did I bring the energy that would be appropriate for a role like being an RA or a whole, you know, manager. And but being in a leadership role, ironically, by uh, allows me to step into that version of me so very easily. I'm an introvert and uh, there is something about leading groups of people that allows me to step into that energy and leadership that I think we should, <laughs> we should all be you know, exuding 24 seven, but it allows me to step into that version of myself really, really easily. And it feels good. Yeah. And I, I can yeah. really see that. I mean, even the people that I've worked with, you and I talked a lot about events when we met recently. And a lot of the things I did early on was about coaching people on how to, as a regular attendee, to co-host, how to co-create the experience. And it turns out that people who were most receptive to that message were introverts. Mm. Because once they had a title or like that mindset shift, um, what their role was in the room was to help others feel more welcomed. Like, you know, help them more fully embody themselves and their experience, their change. And then that ripple effect continued to happen. And it becomes this, you know, flywheel <laughs> where like it, it's, then they take it outside of that one space. Cause then I'm sure your experience doing this within this particular look, you know, I don't know, in the, in the campus uh, or at least in the, in the dorm um, halls environment, you know, does that, does that translate over to how you showed up in classes and how you did, group projects and how you sort of show up in the world? Like, did you start to bring that everywhere? I, it, the answer has to be yes, because I had a vastly different experience in college than I did in high school. And I just was more in more leadership roles and more visible to more people and energetically enjoy like at a higher vibes place, if you will. So I, I think I had to have impacted all the other facets. Yeah. What did you go to school for? What was the big plan? Who were you going to be when you grew up? Would you be surprised that I'm not that <laughs> right now? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. So always wanted to be an attorney because that's what my dad is. And Accounting is a really good base for law because a lot of crimes are committed uh, where, where, with money uh, involved. And so I got, and I had an accounting major in college. Mm -hmm. And, and then did not go to, I did not go to law school. Or law school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I did immediately go into accounting uh, out of college, but it didn't last long, only a couple of years because it just, I hated it. It's not what I wanted to do or be, <laughs> but it's what you do or be when you're having an accounting degree and are graduating from college, I guess. Uh, so, but, and then did not go to law school because 
the thought of more school just it gave me hives and but it wasn't until later much later what like almost 16 years later that I realized I do love continuing education. It just needs to be in the form of a video-based online course. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I went to a session when I was in college about law school, um, applying for law school. That one hour saved me from going to law school. <laughs> I was like, thank you. I'm, I'm good. I can impact the world without it. I don't have to do that. Fantastic. I'll skip that then. Um, yeah. I mean, you had, it sounds like in some ways you had this clear path sort of laid out. You thought you thought you did, but then you sidestepped it. What did you decide you were going to do after the accounting ex- experience? Mm, I just needed to get out. And my roommate at the time happened to be um, an executive assistant at a different company in town. A company that had to ha- happen to have like a 7,000 person campus and uh, another had and in the executive assistant ranks had heard that there was another, there was an opening for another executive assistant. And so I applied and got that job and even took a pay cut in order to move companies and roles. Cause I was just so unhappy. And I, I think I only, I, a, a family friend at the time said, that's just the worst decision that you're ever going to make because once someone gets a hold of a good executive assistant, like they never let go. <laughs> They're forever for life. And I ignored the advice and went anyways. And I was only in that role for maybe nine months because then a bunch of people that I was working with, there were definitely higher ups and the, the company could see that this was not, <laughs> this is not my my fate. I was I was made for more, if you will. And they suggested project management. And so I, uh, ended up getting a project management role that morphed into almost like 14 years of event planning for the the sales operations department. And so I did a lot of sales meetings and incentive trips and board meetings. Wow. I, I love this because you, you and I have a very similar like interests, passions, experience around like you know, operations, bringing people together, making people feel good about the experience. So I could see how, and, and similar to you, I, I, was, I was an office manager uh, of a small nonprofit that grew very quickly. And, you know, those three years taught me that I didn't want to have like all the roles because I was like filling multiple hats throughout the day. Um, I mean, I, I knew how to like buy a new copier and change our HR plan, <laughs> like things I don't need to know. Um, or want to know, but did have to know in that moment. And then, but events kept coming up. And if I could like push everything off my plate and just like focus on our annual event, like that made me so happy and like figuring out who to bring in and all this stuff. And so um, it's great that you got recognized for your ability to do more than just assist somebody. And I can understand why the program manager like could be like the next thing because you're, you're good at managing people. And that's what a lot of that is. Um, but then you fell into events and, and then you have 14 years is a lot of time to experience events. Uh, yeah. most people, I mean, my background is fundraising events. And in particular there, I think the two year cycle, two, three years is sort of common because the burnout is real. And I was there for 10 years, which was like an anomaly. So 14 years of doing the same kind of like, you know, cycle, um, how did you keep that fresh? Like, 
Was there new things going on all the time? Was the people that you loved working with, were you just really devoted to the, to the work, the, the, the product and services that you all were supporting? Like what kept you able to stay in that? Mm, a couple of things. Uh, I would say after a couple of years, I like I was I was good. Like I felt like I was even told, <laughs> you know it all. <laughs> you know all the things. Uh, you've you've substantially like um, improved the quality and like process of how we do this. Uh, but I didn't see myself in a corner office or. I just didn't see myself in the roles like above me. And so I, I think f- uh, fear definitely kept me stuck and I did not move. The being the person in the family who had a consistent paycheck and really fantastic health benefits uh, just kept me stuck. In it, it, like I alluded to earlier, that was my, my worldview did not include entrepreneurship at the, up until that point. So uh, I did not see any other path for myself. And so I did not. And because I craved that security of a paycheck and benefits, I did not do anything to move. But I did not just do events for that 14-year span. The, my role did evolve. And, and eventually, by the end, I was chief of staff to the VP of sales and doing other stuff in amongst the events that was just shiny objects that kept my interest, I suppose. I did enjoy a lot of the people that I worked with. So perhaps that, um, you know, and it's interesting, I did not even, because it just, it wasn't on my radar that it was something to do. I did not even create SOPs or processes. It was all in my head. Uh, Shame on me uh, until after I left. And it wasn't until after I left that I was like, wait, I'm like, all of this should not, like, it's very selfish for me to keep everything that I know about this in my head. And that's when I spent about a year and a half just taking it all out and creating um, my programs. But and I finally feel good, you know, that it's not like all trapped inside of my head. But gosh, I think, yeah, would just the short answer would be people. And it wasn't all I did all the time. Right. So, yeah, I, you know, having a, a role for as long as I did in a space where a lot of people leave quickly, you know, rotating in and out, even people above my role, like directors mm-hmm. would, would move around a lot. People would ask me, you know, like, how, how are you still in the same job? And my answer would be, well, I haven't left yet. Like, like there is a little, there's a certain amount of like no action. Like, if you know, if it's, if you're, if you're, it's the inaction required to, mm-hmm. to stay is like, you just, you just stay, you don't look, you don't look for anything else. And I did have entrepreneurship sort of in my blood and I still didn't immediately think to jump ship because like you, mm. there's, there's this perceived, I, I now think of it as perceived security um, of staying in a role. And Mm -hmm. I now have so many friends who've gone through so many layoffs and fear of layoffs and um, market changes impacting, you know, their daily life. And then of course the pandemic, which I thought my job was so secure because I ran fundraising events and, you know, can you imagine like, I, I, yeah, who knows what that would have been like that transition I had left right before, you know, a few years before the pandemic. So, um, 
but you, you know, you take all this knowledge that's in your head and you're like, I want to help other people, but you still didn't have entrepreneurship as a mindset. Like when did that start to become a possibility? Who introduced mm. you to mm. that frame, that worldview? Yeah. Interestingly enough, um, it was because of the company I worked for. And so they had brought in, it was a 50,000, I don't know, maybe bigger global company. And at that, the highest levels, they decided to bring in um, culture training, as they called it, for everybody, which looking back, it really is personal development. But so they were running everybody through these, uh, these culture training workshops and one of them on the back end they gave everyone access to an app and created this challenge with streak trackers and like like fake coins that you know you were like adding up inside this app to do things like read a daily motivational mantra watch a daily motivational video all delivered within this app <clears throat> and I participated and figured out a way very easily to operationalize it so that I got in there every single day and did all the activities so that I get all the points for the day. And by the end, uh, I was one of like the top five out of the hundreds that were playing. And one of the videos that was in there was a, a black and white video, I think probably from the 2006, seven, eight era of Brendan Burchard. And it caught me. And so I figured out that it was from YouTube. And then I figured out that there was perhaps hundreds more <laughs> just like it. And I started, it was, he had all these like 10 minute videos, which is about the same as my commute. And I would just watch one going, listen to one going to work and listen to one going home from work. And I just got hooked. And, and then eventually I fell into his funnel via email and bought one of his higher end courses, which I'd never done something like that before. And it came bundled with a free ticket to one of his in-person seminars, four-day seminars. And I probably sat on that for more than a year and ended up going. And that was the first time I'd ever been in a room where I'd put myself there. I'd paid my own way. I was surrounded by people who wanted to be there. And I wanted to be there myself and every other event I'd ever planned, we paid their way and they didn't want to be there and they weren't having a good time. And this was the exact opposite. And the event planner in me was like, oh my gosh, there are events out there that are like this. Like this would be a dream to plan stuff like this to help people like him who have a message that they want to get out into the world. And, but their, their only stopping point is they don't know how the wizard behind the curtain works and they don't know how to put this on and I could help them. And it took a while for me to put, you know, like connect all those dots and make that my life's work. Uh, but that was where it started. And it was such an exhilarating experience uh, just to be, in the room with someone who was such a masterful facilitator to your point about inclusion was masterful is a masterful at getting people's voices 
heard within the room, making sure people feel seen and heard and celebrated, uh, like everybody in the room. And I was in a room of thousands. It, it was it, the way music was used to manage the energy in the room, the just so many different facilitation tactics that were used to keep people's engagement. And I just, it took everything that we were doing in the corporate space and just like took it up a hundred notches. And then for me to see for the first time ever an offer made from stage and people go buy things at the back of the room, my mind was blown. Robbie (laughs) was blown. What an introduction to the online business space to have that happen. And I, and I love that you gave us the pathway, you know, that you, you know, you're uh, motivated to, to crack the code on this app (laughs) to to make sure that you actually like, you know, get all the points. Um, And then, you know, the follow through that one video catching your ear and then Mm -hmm. thinking, well, wait, this is on YouTube. Oh, look, there's more and then dedicating time to listen and then eventually buying something. And of course, Brendan uh, Bouchard giving you the free uh, mm-hmm. ticket because <laughs> um, yep. he wants to get you in the room and yep. you'll be inspired and around mm-hmm. all these amazing people. And then op- possibly there'll be some percentage that will opt into his larger offer. Um, and to never have had any, like for that to be completely outside of your lived experience. Oh, so many of those things as, as you describe them. Mm-hmm. Um, and for you to connect the dots about your own passion and experience and how you could support this, this community. And now you're connected. Also, you're suddenly connected with entrepreneurs. Like the room is full of people who are trying to oh, yeah. create their own dreams. And you're like, I, I can help you do that. <laughs> like, I know something about the events part. That's but it was amazing. above the fold front page news to me that there's all these people out there living alternative lifestyles to the one that I had, the, the worldview I had, which was people go to work and sit in a cubicle and they hate their jobs and they hate their life. Yeah. And you knew you didn't like you, the track you're on, you didn't want to continue. You weren't aiming for the corner office, mm-hmm. you know, you weren't looking for more. And so how soon after experiencing this you know, I don't even know, like amazing is not the right word, but this mind blowing four day event, did you start to actually make a plan to leave your job and start something new? Yeah. So that was when he was, that was pre pandemic when he was still running all sorts of these. And he had three, four day seminars that, that fall, I was at the first one, which was a personal development one. During that one, I learned that there's the next one was about entrepreneurship, online businesses, uh, and so I went to that one for four days. And at that one, I learned that there was a one about how to be a speaker. And so I went to that one for four days uh, the next month. And I was, you know, officially like drinking all of the Kool-Aid, like, <laughs> and that was the fall of 2017. And in the spring of 2018, I took my husband to one of those events because I'm the personal development one because I was like, I got you, you got to see like these people and this, this whole <laughs> world. And he loved it. And we realized that we could put our house in the market and live somewhere else and work somewhere else. And so we spent all that spring doing all of that work and sold our house that summer and moved to Portland. <laughs> it was like within under a year of entering that space, 
I had the courage to leave everything that we had behind. Like I would, I would always lived in the Midwest and I worked at that company for 14 years. I, we left and I just didn't want, it's like, I just gave it all up. I was like, let's just, let's move for, let's go live somewhere where there's mountains and ocean and crunchy foodies and more adventure. And <clears throat> let's ask our employers if we can work remote. And my husband said, yes. Mine said, no. And I'm like, all right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you house. also were going to an area that attracts a lot of entrepreneurs more than you might've had if you'd stayed local. So you were, did you tap into networks of entrepreneurs no. when you moved or not no? at all? No, I was not an, I'm not, I was not a networker, Robbie. I did not have a networking bone in my body. If you would, cause at that point, my view of networking was that you have to go to these events and with a room full of people. And that like, I even talking about it now gives me chest tightening. Mm. Like I, that's not for me. Um, that's one of the most uncomfortable things that I could possibly do is go stand in a room full of people. Has the shift to online events helped you in that regard? Like is, is not being in the room, but being online, helping you broaden your networking? Well, two, th I'll, two things I'll say about that. First, I just shared that I would be, I was loving being in a room with a thousand, you know, thousands of people and connecting. And I will say that's because of facilitation skills of showing people like me how you how to be how to fit in like that's the first question everyone's asking entering a room is how do i fit in here and so that being in that space the rooms that brendan burchard would curate would told me like what to do and how to be and so i said i felt comfortable and networked like i've never networked before i can't like the stack of of business cards I have from his events is like mind blowing <laughs> to me. Uh, and so that I would be capable of networking in a room uh, like that is just, again, mind blown. But then like you mentioned, the move, the move to online, I now have zero fear of meeting new people networking online because I've done so much of it over the last couple of years, a, a little bit because it was necessary like in order to, I just, my business needs to grow. I must meet new people. Like that is one of the avenues of doing it. If I don't have all the money in the world to, to give to Mr. Zuckerberg at Meta um, to run ads, I do need to go meet people. And so part of it was just like, I have to do this, but in the, pushing myself to do something that I had to do, I realized this virtual space and networking feels very, very, very good to, to me. And that feel that's so crazy that I now have. And in fact, uh, I was talking to somebody about uh, a, a, a strategy that I'm considering adding to my business with ads where I would run ads and then uh, talk to do a sales call after that you know, totally cold to somebody. And I told a, a mentor, I said, I would never have considered doing that uh, a few years ago. And now I'm like, eh, it's totally fine. Bring it on. Like, I, I just have like, all this fear has gone away 
in the space of networking and meeting new people because of this virtual space. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just like the one-on-one and Zoom feels so comfortable to me, or maybe it's me having gone through enough Zoom breakouts to, and it's just like exciting and maybe it's practice, but um, it feels good to network virtually. It feels safe. (laughs) You know, um, you and I talked a bit about this, um, off air, which is what you're alluding to. I, I believe that a well-designed event that is strongly facilitated mm-hmm. leads to quality engagement. And that leads to people feeling included and like they belong. And that you can have an event both in person or online that has opportunities for engagement but without enough thoughtful design or good facilitation, somebody is going to grab the mic or take over talking as let's say in a, in a breakout room on zoom. And we've all experienced this, right? Like, wait, what was the question? Like no one remembers what the question was. No one knows to go to first. And it's just like, zero is staring at each other and someone is going to unmute and start talking. And it's usually the person with the most privileged, the most experienced, the oldest, you know, it's not going to be the person who's new um, or demographic outlier of some kind. And so if you, you know, for you to go to Brendan's event, so this is, this is a very high bar that he has set for what you expect an event can, can deliver. Yeah. Um, and I, and I love it because, I mean, he was doing that a long time ago. And I think a lot of people don't put the effort in, you know, to really, to really design an experience where you can be in a room with thousands of people and still feel like you find your people. Mm-hmm. That is a gift. And it's a gift, not like, that it's a gift he's giving everyone else. Honestly, it's a gift that he's giving the people who show up. And then you go to your like random chamber, rotary, whatever event. And they all sit around a table and one by one, the person stands up and does their talk. And then the, the business cards get sent around and then you leave. And you're like, that's not what I want. Not <laughs> like that doesn't feel quite right. <laughs> I didn't meet anyone. I had to stack of business cards, but I didn't, I didn't have any connection. And my complaint I did this only one time was by the time the stack got to me, the person was no longer speaking. So I couldn't even write notes. Like you should have just handed all the cards out first. And then I could have like written notes on each person's card as they spoke. I'm like constantly trying to re- refigure the, the plan here to make it better. Um, and then the same, the same thing online. Like I, it sounds like you've been able to access some really quality online experiences. Yeah. And of course, those are the ones you want to continue going to, but even this one-on-one which we're now, I mean, I was doing this pre-pandemic, but now everybody's willing to do it. Yeah. Before I had to be like, oh yeah, you just click the link. It's really easy to get on. You don't worry. Like I had to explain, yeah. I, I had a whole definite um, instructions yes. um, with the calendar invite about, don't worry, there's no passcode or password. You don't have to remember your login. You know, it's not Skype. <laughs> don't, you know, just, just click, just don't worry about it. And now, you know, everyone just does it and it's, it's just really easy to think about how to like deepen a connection with somebody over time. I mean, this, you and I are, are, are doing this, you know, yeah. we, we had one shot and now we're doing this and, you know, we're going to continue this. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's uh, virtual has, has made networking accessible in my opinion. And I'm so grateful for the pandemic showing me that path, if you will. And I, I'll continue doing it because I've enjoyed, I-, I think everyone wants to feel connected and a sense of community, right? And when 
we just, there's so many of us who need to be shown how and like really like led by the hand. And yeah, like you said, I am, I am lucky that I landed in Brendan's room and I am lucky that he has spent so much time studying the art and science of facilitation and speaking so that he could create rooms like that for us. And, and I think that's probably what I would underline for your listeners right now is that it's not an accident that his rooms are that good, that feel that good. Um, It is by a lot of work and mastery of facilitation and speaking. I am. I, I ran, I created a, a meetup group in 2006 that I ran for 11 years. We hosted hundreds of events, grew to thousands of members, and people would leave our events and I'd hear them talking as they were leaving me like, wow, I, I never meet people at bar events. You know, because it's like a lot of the bigger ones, like you're at a bar, you know, it's like the space that you have. And um, yeah, but you know, it, the first five feet from like just outside the door to the first four feet of the room, they'd already met like four people who were guiding them like, you know, through a process <laughs> and, you know, engaging. And then there was another station and just, and, but like you literally showed up and you were just like carried through the experience. And by the time you got like halfway through the room, you had your drink in your hand, you had your bingo sheet, you had a pen, you had all these people who'd already like said hello and signed your thing. Your mood was like lifted. You had like stickers on, on to inspire starter conversation, <laughs> like, you know, and like, and then people would come and keep talking to you and it, you know, and it so nothing was by accident, but there's this way in which it's not, you know, heavy handed and, you know, it's not, you know, camp counselor icebreaker-ish, which is mm. where people get all mm-hmm. like, Ugh, I have to stand in front of yeah. everybody and say something. Um, I loved having the opportunity to do that because I got to play and try things and see what worked. And then also, how do I translate this for people who are not like me, an outgoing extrovert, to help them create this? So like, and I do a lot of, I co-host, um, host and co-host a lot of dinners over my lifetime. And so when I got to the world of virtual, I had all of that in my head about what was possible. And then I just had to figure out, okay, well, <laughs> what is the right Zoom setting <laughs> to do this, this, and this? And what is the right facilitation to do this, this, and this? Um, and it's been really fun to play. I have to say like that my Friday night, no more bad Zoom became that that container. So I think for anyone listening who wants to get to the Brendan Bouchard level of excellence, which was what Sarah will teach you how to do, um, just try things out, right? Like start somewhere and have some, have some real intentionality. Um, I, who are the kind, like, how would I know if I was talking to someone, Sarah, who would be the ideal person to refer you? What, what would be like, I'm talking to someone and like, what would they say? Or what would they, what would they be looking for that? I'd be like, oh my gosh, I have to introduce you to Sarah. So the people I help are the established entrepreneur in the online space. They likely have online courses or their coaches, or they have a membership. And they're at the point where they're ready to take the next step in scaling their business and have an interest in using events. So whether that's masterminds or uh, conferences or, um, you know, where you would make an offer at the end, uh, fulfillment, 
events, retreats, that's the people that I help. That's yeah. awesome. I, I, I know people who will need that. So mm-hmm. I'll have to think about who I can connect you with after this. So here's my favorite wrap up question. Mm-hmm. I know we're going to stay in touch because I I'm adoring everything I hear from you. <laughs> Likewise. Um, and so let's say it's a year from now and I'm like, wait, a year ago, I interviewed you. Mm-hmm. I want to know a year from now, what are we going to be celebrating? What are you most looking forward to in your head? What's, what's the big on the horizon? Mm. <laughs> the, 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 the thing that's rolling through my head right now is do I be truthful and tell you what <laughs> came to mind or make something up? <laughs> uh, I'll be truthful. So, because it's scary, but I am going to do my first launch of the program that I built it has been sitting on a shelf for uh, a couple years now. And so I'm doing that at the end of August. And so we will be celebrating me having done that a couple more times by the time a year rolls around. <laughs> Congratulations. What's the name of the, the program? Oh, so my group coaching program is Live Event Academy. Yeah. Yeah. So helping anybody who wants to create their own experience. Yes. Yep. It's a seven week group coaching. And I, yeah, I, like I told you at the beginning, I spent a year and a half of my life doing nothing but full time taking everything that I've ever known about events and putting it into a framework and processes and building all of the worksheets and tools and guides and all the things, <laughs> checklists. Amazing. And then, uh, you know, the pandemic hit and it threw me for a loop, but, um, it's only been the most exciting, fun, coolest opportunity to have this pandemic come and introduce virtual to the world and allowed me to become absolutely obsessed with the virtual space and how it dovetails with in-person events and how a business owner can leverage both right. to really benefit and scale and grow their business. Yeah, it's been so fun. That's awesome. And you probably will attract really awesome people who are doing good things in the world. So I can't wait to celebrate that with you. Now the question is, Sarah, how can people find you and follow your work? Yeah. Oh, I'd love for people to go listen to the Green Room Central podcast. It's available wherever your podcasts are. Great. We'll put the link to that in your website, your LinkedIn, et cetera, all in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us for this amazing conversation. Oh, I've appreciated it, Ravi. Take care. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sarah. What is your key takeaway? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 297. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show, as well as all the archived episodes. Reach out and let me know which were your favorite interviews. If you enjoy this episode, please share it with that one friend you know would love to hear it. Don't forget to subscribe or follow for free yourself so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review. Thank you in advance and look forward to connecting again next week. I'll be interviewing another talent professional who's achieved success in their field or industry. I'll ask probing questions to get them to share untold stories about their leadership journey and how they built and sustained the professional network. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. 
That's on the schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.